This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Ricardo. My name is Sam. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. This episode is the fourth stop in our B-side tour, an odyssey through the lesser-known works of very well-known bands. And in certain circles, there are few bands as well-known or adored as tonight's subject. Pink Floyd formed in London in 1964, and over the next 30 years, they would carve out an unprecedented legacy as the crown jewel of progressive rock, a band that would be near-universally adored like few before or since. But there's a very good chance that you already know the major beats of their story by now, and that's not really what we're here for. So, let the B-side tour of Pink Floyd commence. Hey, quick question for everyone, though. What's your favourite track from the band's third album, More? You don't have one? Some of you have never heard it, or even heard of it? That's actually quite understandable for a few reasons. More is the soundtrack to the 1969 Eurotrash film of the same name, and it really does fly under the radar even among the more dedicated fans. Personally, I blame the nondescript title for a lot of this record's woes. When you actually listen to more, what you find is fine enough, especially given the state of the band in 1969, but it's a largely forgettable and directionless affair, which kind of makes sense, as this was the first album to not feature Sid Barrett in any capacity. More was the debut of the classic lineup of Gilmore, Waters, Wright and Mason as a quartet that lasted until the early 80s. But you also have to appreciate the little messy bits and ragged edges that would be fixed and polished away on future albums. Curious hangovers from their days of wild excess and an existential crossroads in the band's career. This is the Nile song. <laughs> Oh, 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 
After 15 studio albums and a rather sizable amount of decent songs, it's almost strange that, to me, the very best song by Pink Floyd is a non-single originally from their very first album. In fact, it's the very first song from their very first album, Astronomy Domine. Now, I was going to play this right now for you. However, there is actually a better version of this song, which came a little later in their fourth album, Amagama. While this version is definitely missing out by not having Sid Barrett as a part of it, the added length makes it seem more just how it should be from the start. So, from Amagama, this is the live version of Astronomy Domine.
Atom Heart Mother was a bit of a weird album for Pink Floyd. First of all, there's the cover, which is just a picture of a cow. It doesn't say Pink Floyd. No picture of the band. Nothing. It's just a cow. Then there's also the fact that the band doesn't particularly like the album. That's fine. It's... yeah. Then there's the fact that one side is just one song, the title track, Atom Heart Mother. And this is actually a damn good song. It's not often that Pink Floyd, to me at least, go off on their long songs and manage to make it not boring. But Atom Heart Mother is a great song. In fact, I would argue the whole album is actually kind of underrated. The first song of side two, If, is snappy by comparison, but really it's just anything but. This is Pink Floyd leaning on their more folky side, and it works rather well for Waters in particular. If I would have sworn I'd be gone 
Just before the pinkest of Floyds broke through in a big way with Dark Side of the Moon, there was a very important stop to make first. That stop is a quaint little album by the name of Metal, released in 1971. Metal is Pink Floyd's sixth album and is a near-perfect transition from their early psychedelic days to their more famous, serious and popular releases throughout the 70s. Metal is most famous for its bookending tracks, one of these days at the front and the daunting 23-minute echoes at the back, but please do not ignore the middle of metal. Unlike most of the songs here, Saint Tropez was the result of Roger Waters' famous ability to will music into existence by himself, despite his collaboratively-minded bandmates. Waters has always been a curmudgeon of the highest order, and Saint Tropez might well be the first undisputable example of that committed to wax. It's a nice song, though, so let the man have his way sometimes, yeah? As I reach for a peach, slide a ride down behind The sofa in Saint-Tropez Breaking a stick with a brick on the sand Riding a wave in the wake of an old sedan Sleeping alone in the drone of the darkness Scratched by the sand that fell from our love Deep in our dreams and I still hear her calling If you're alone I'll come home, home Backward and homebound, the pigeon, the dove Gone with the wind and the rain on the airplane Born in a home with no silver spoon Sooner than wait for a break in the weather I'll gather my far-flung thoughts together Speeding away on the wind to a new day If you're alone, I'll come 
Because Ricardo was quicker than I was and claimed Wish You Were Here and Division Bell before I could, I'm left with a difficult task. How could I possibly call anything on Dark Side of the Moon a B-side? Technically, quite easily, actually, as only a few songs here were ever really singles. But it's one of those albums where the entire thing is so well known that I almost have to justify my choice here. But as far as I can see, it really only left me with two choices, Breathe or Brain Damage. Basically, the other songs are either too big, too instrumental, too long for our time, or Eclipse, which, no. So seeing as If was led by Roger Waters, we're going with Breathe, led by David Gilmore.
tricky part about discussing Wish You Were Here on this episode is twofold. Firstly, there's only five tracks on it, so it's not exactly overflowing with options. And secondly, almost all of those five are pretty famous. Obviously, everyone knows the title track, as well as at least the first part of Shine On You Crazy Diamond. Even Have A Cigar is fairly well known and liked by Floyd fans, including the famous ones. Primus covered it in the 90s, so it's not quite enough of a deep cut. So, by process of elimination, that leaves us with Welcome To The Machine. More so than any other track on the record, Welcome to the Machine benefits from Pink Floyd's growing obsession with recording technology and studio trickery at the time. It's built around a pulsing, menacing synthesizer, accentuated by flourishes of instrumentation and David Gilmour's desperate vocal performance. It's easily the least famous song on the album, but it could be argued that it had the greatest impact on their future concepts.
the wall is aside from dark side of the moon probably the most well-known work by pink floyd however unlike dark side of the moon it's really only known for one song another brick in the wall specifically part two of three but hey this is a really good album like people know the song comfortably numb but do people even realize it's from this album or is it one of those things where it's more known as just a greatest hit type deal the wall is pink floyd at their songwriting best it's probably one of the least dull albums the band ever released and i know i'm just a sucker for a good rock opera but this is the album that made rock operas a pretty big deal so thank you pink floyd This is Young Lust, one of the many forgotten songs from this album. And I might actually be cheating here because this song actually was released as a single in Italy, South Africa and Rhodesia. But it was an extended version, so it doesn't count.
There really is no nice way to put this. The final cut from 1983 is the runt of Pink Floyd's discography and is consigned to the pile of forgotten albums, along with Moore and Umagama. For many years, I too went along with the established narrative around the final cut, that it was an incomplete swan song for the Roger Waters era, and that it would be best if we all just forgot about it and moved on with our lives. Thank you very much. But if you open yourself up to it a little bit, it can also be seen as a cogent stepping stone from the high drama of the wall and an earnest attempt to push forward into new territory. Alas, new territory was not meant to be, due to the band's crumbling relationship by 1983 and a lack of label support that bordered on vindictive. I'm not going to stand here and pretend that the final cut is in any way essential listening. That's not a hill I'd choose to die on. Rather, let's say that it's gotten a bad rap over the years and maybe deserves a second chance. From the final cut, this is Two Sons in the Sunset, a song you've probably never heard.
As far as final albums go, Pink Floyd's The Division Bell from 1994 is one of the all-time greats. It's also the strongest album from the David Gilmour years, in my opinion, and it beats the pants off every single one of his own studio albums. Don't get mad, because you know it's true. And in my opinion, it turned out to be one of the best ba- the band's... Bleh. And also, in my opinion, it turned out to be one of the band's best records. I'd even go as far as to rank it above the wall, even though I'm pretty sure that is technically blasphemy. It's hard to say whether the band knew that this would be their final real album or not, but in our hindsight, the division bell is often characterised by its sombre tone, the last stand for the legendary Pink Floyd. The main criticism of the album is that it completes their slide into dad rock, and I don't really have any arguments against that, other than that in itself not being a good enough excuse to ignore it. The nostalgia and bitterness of the Roger Waters era was over, and the division bell leans on its easy listening tendencies perhaps a little too much, but it is far from toothless. A Great Day for Freedom might not be that album's loudest or hookiest track, but it contains some genuine emotion and pathos that should not be overlooked for more accessible thrills. Sure would be a pity if someone were to release some more material from the band decades later to ruin the perfect goodbye. Surely not, though. <coughs> This is a great day for freedom. On the day the wall came down, they threw the locks onto the ground, and with glasses high, we raised a cry for freedom had arrived. On the day the wall came down, the ship of fools had finally run aground.
So, thank you once again for tuning in to the Outer Limit Frequency for our B-side tour of Pink Floyd. No, 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 no. hang on, hang on, we, we missed what? one, we missed one. Really? Yeah, no, we've still got one. Yeah. Yeah. Why? So, yeah. So I mentioned earlier with uh, Ricardo snatching up the division bell that I was at a bit of a loss, and that's because aside from maybe the Piper at the Gates of Dawn, the division bell is also my favourite mostly because it was one of the albums that introduced me to Pink Floyd. However, this turned out to be a bit of a blessing, because while I may have lost The Division Bell, I gained the album they released 20 years later, The Endless River. Which, okay, so I've alluded to Pink Floyd getting a little bit boring at times. Well, this album fully supports that claim. It is the most aimless, dull nonsense that a legendary band has ever released, or at least I that I've managed to sort of get through it's not that any part of the album is bad it's just extremely nothing 
The entire thing is one big B-side, except for the sole single, Louder Than Words, but we shouldn't speak about Louder Than Words. And it's no less boring than any of the instrumental tracks that populate the album. So I narrowed it down to two. Side 3 Part 2, Noodle Street, because the name made me giggle. Or Side 1 Part 2, It's What We Do. Less giggling here, but I preferred this piece, so that's what we're going with. And in case it helps you get to sleep, good night, and you're welcome.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.